Hey guys, welcome to episode 9 of Next on the Platform. This week I'm on with Ryan Wu and Lockie Antoinette. Uh, this is another trio episode and Lockie is actually Ryan's coach and I'll let them introduce themselves. Lockie, you first. Alright, my name's Lockie and I'm Ryan's coach. I compete, currently this year I'm going to be competing GPC. Last year I was in the APL. I'm going to be competing in the 100 kilo weight class and working towards GPC and that's this year. Um, I've been coaching since 2018. So a few years now, but still working towards getting, you know, people competing and stuff like that. Ryan's the first client I've actually had compete in a sanctioned meet, which is cool. Yeah, how about you, Ryan? Uh, so I'm Ryan. Um, I competed in the 74 um, kilo division in the APU, which is the sort of IPF affiliate uh, in Australia, um, currently in between weight classes, we're just going to play around with where I end up, maybe a meet at 83s, probably a meet at 83s. Um, but yeah, I've been gymming for about three years, powerlifting specifically for about one and a half. Yep. So obviously you guys are both from Sydney. Is that right? Down in Sydney? Yep. Um, and so... I would have to assume that it's uh, it's sort of easy to run into each other in that Australia is like the powerlifting in Australia is not that big, and then if you narrow it down even further to Sydney, um, how did you, Lockie? How did you come across Ryan and vice versa? And then sort of like just tell me how you guys got working together. Yeah, so I think Ryan we started following each other. Um, like I'd say maybe March or so of last year. I remember it was like soon after my last comp, just follow each other, started messaging a bit. Mm -hmm. um, I remember I got added to like some group chat with a lot of his friends and stuff. I think it was Ryan that added me to it. And then from there, um, he'd, you know, ask me questions about training and that kind of stuff. And then eventually I started coaching him. Yeah. yeah. We, I, don't, I can't remember at what point, maybe yeah, it would have been March or something like that last year. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely before March. Um but then we didn't actually, like I'd always ask you questions and stuff because you were the more experienced lifter by far. And and I don't think we actually trained until like the end of last year or something together. Yeah, we did a training session, I think it was about August or so. Remember, because I was starting APL States. So that, yeah, that would have okay. been about all. And then we start, I started coaching Ryan probably around December of last year. So we haven't actually been training together like i haven't been training ryan for too long but i've still been somewhat involved with just like giving advice and stuff like that probably quite a bit longer i would say maybe midway through last year yeah yeah you've made yourself you were making yourself pretty available to answer any of my questions and stuff like even even before you were coaching me just so you guys know uh who aren't from australia listening to this so Lockie's fed gpc is kind of like uh, uses the deadlift bar and it uses wraps and you can compete tested and untested. Is that correct? Both of those? Um, yeah, so it, they don't do any drug testing in GPC. Yeah. No. And then Ryan competes in the IPF Federation uh, APU, so stiff bar, um, you know, flat feet. Same bar for everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so flat feet when you bench, etc. So, yeah. Um, Lockie, obviously for you, you've been coaching for a little while now. How was it sort of, uh, and I don't know who you've coached previous to Ryan, but uh, coaching someone who doesn't compete with the same rules as you and and because um, it's sort of like a whole different aspect of powerlifting that it's very different for Ryan competing versus how it is for you competing. 
and how have you yeah. sort of like handled that as a coach? Well, I actually have competed IPF before. So oh. I, like that's where I initially started out. So I still have a pretty good understanding of everything that goes on there. You know, overall, it's still very much the same. You know, you just have to factor for maybe slightly stricter judging on depth or something like that. But overall, I would say I keep everything the same. Obviously, I just have to factor in, say, if Ryan needs to make weight, it's two hours instead of 24. Um, and the, just like little details like that. But everything, like, overall training is very much the same. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and so you guys have been together for uh, almost a year. Ryan, you just had a meet in December, was it, or November? No, I had mine um, on the 17th of January. So not too long ago. It was like oh, a month, yeah. little over a month ago. And just run us through how that went. Um, so first meet ever. Um, I weighed in on the day 73.05 kilos, so that was fine. Um, my best squat was 182.5. Uh, my bench was 130, and then deadlift was 205. Yeah. And, um, like, I, powerlifting Australia isn't that big, but I would have to guess that in the IPF uh, feds, so APUPA, et cetera, uh, 74s, in my opinion, seem the most stacked, especially from uh, Sydney. I know there's some guys training at your gym um, and the 74s just seem to be a really, really stacked category, whereas in America, the 83s are more stacked. Um, as a 74 junior, how close were you to the records and that sort of thing? Like, how, what are they? Um, I can't, I'm not too sure about the national records off my heart, but for state records... Um... Nowhere near squat. The bench press. Well, here's the thing, right? So for, to have those records officially, um, you have to be in the federation for six months. Yeah. Um, but I only signed up in in December to be able to compete. December or November around that time. Um, so th- I wouldn't have been eligible for it anyway. So um, squats probably like two twenty odd or two thirty odd. Um, it could be more now. I'm not too sure. The bench record stands at 125, um, which I unofficially broke um, in cloudlifter language. Um, but then another bloke, Lennox, who I met on the day, is actually one of the nicest blokes I've ever met. He actually benched after me, and got 132 and a half. Um, <laughs> who's, he's probably going to take he's probably going to take that state record um, in, at states this year in the 74s. Uh, and then the deadlift record stands could be 225, but I know. Nick, who trains out at um, Adonis in Campbelltown, he did 240-odd, I'm pretty sure, in um, in his most recent meet as well. So he's probably going to snag that dead record. Although Lennox did get 240 on the day. However, he got timed out only by like a second. That's um, There was a guy at my recent comp who, uh, comp who spent the first like 40 seconds of the timer uh, putting his wraps on. And so he gets out to the platform <laughs> and he has two... Uh, he has like probably too much on the bar so it was like obviously going to be a hard lift already and he has to squat something in like 20 seconds he ends up going like 10 seconds over the limit like just poor poor handling on the day but that was funny to for me to sit back and watch someone else like because i was pretty stressed because like uh all the big dudes that were there this is the untested guys as well but it was funny for just a bit of a laugh to have a look over at someone else going through a little bit more stress than me um and then yeah missing it by heaps because he had like it was about 10 seconds over the limit it can be a pretty spe- uh, stressful aspect of it 
Yeah, those time restrictions there, there's some, like, something I overlooked completely. I, like after my first attempt on squat, mm. um, I didn't realize that I only had like a minute or whatever to hand in my second. So then I only had 20 seconds left to go. And then, yeah, yeah got it in luckily. It's something that nobody really tells you. Like I, I, some people I'm sure would know, but uh, I didn't know when I went into my first meet that there was time restrictions. Because like, if you, if you have a good handler, yeah. they shouldn't be a problem at all. And I only found out about halfway through that I was actually being timed. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very, very like, it's kind of a shock. You're like, oh shit, you have to kind yeah. of uh, just be be seeing in the sink and like just ready to go in that time that they give you. It's just a little bit more extra stress on top of like the pressure yep. and that. Um, how did you, so this was your first meet and this is your like a few months after being with Lockie as a coach. What was the approach? Only two months. Only two, only months. two months. So, what was the approach that you, that. Took, you took, Lockie? Uh, because obviously, this is Ryan's first meet yeah. and potentially one of his first big peaks. What was your guess as the best way to do it for him? Obviously, you would have learned now, but. Yeah. yeah. So, like with Ryan, there wasn't much of a peak involved really because he was already, he'd already hit a few PRs like maybe a week or two prior to when I started coaching him. So that was like, just finding the fine line of like actually being able to, you know, improve off that. But then as well, like, like we couldn't load him with tons of volume. Yeah. So like now we're in an off season phase. So then we'll be able to actually peak, you know, because we can't really, I wasn't able to really strip back fatigue because he had nothing really to peak off of in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so from there, and so, so yeah, sorry from there. So he just hit a few PRs. You're what, like, uh, 10 weeks out. Like, I would say even less. I think it was maybe seven weeks out. Oh, shit. Um, so it was surprising. Actually, his bench was the lift that went the best. And I would say that's the lift that generally you'd need like a good off season to actually build up. But that was the lift that went the best for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Like my bench and in, in, in most people, it takes the longest to come around. Like, I don't know if that's everyone, but like, my squats and deads are pretty good from the get-go of the peak and then they benefit heaps from the taper yeah. right at the end. But like benches, I'm two weeks out, benches still shit. It's, it, you have that like sh very short period of time right at the end of the prep, uh, peak, sorry, for it to like take off. And it obviously uh, Ryan responded well to what you guys did with that. Yeah. So Yeah, I'd you... say like that, that sorry, was definitely you... surprising. Yeah, that was definitely surprising. Like, at least for most of the people, like coaches, like, they're like, I don't necessarily think it was the peak because Ryan was already pretty much peaked and we just kind of held that. And we just, it was more just like hitting regular singles and stuff like that, just getting more skill rather than actually looking to build muscle or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and then, so like on the off season now, obviously the plan, and I just made a post about this on the podcast account. Um, people like particularly with bench sort of undermining the importance of yeah. like off season and that uh i actually got pretty good feedback on that people seem to agree um but yeah mm -hmm. in the off season and uh, uh lucky lucky with ryan's bench like as a smaller 74 kilos um the approach is obviously got to be different are you like a uh is is ryan like a high volume lifter and and what what sort of volume can he handle in that aspect well, I haven't really worked with him for long enough to necessarily know what his limit is. A big thing that I tend to do is like, 
I don't even need to know what his limit necessarily is because I don't need to go anywhere near that to actually make him like get progress. Um, because he's been making pretty steady progress. So for me, it's just keep doing what he's already doing. Um, like even with my own training, I've always found, you know, as long as you can push the intensity to the level that, you know, you can get the stimulus you need, you don't need to do crazy amounts of volume necessarily. Yeah. Um, so what's the plan? Ryan's fresh out of the meat the last few weeks. Yeah. What What's the off season looking like and sort of how long is it going to be? Because I know Ryan probably wants to compete again this year. Yeah. So like at this point in time, I'm trying to get, I've pretty much convinced him that to do a comp at 83, but you know, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. I think um, the, there's like a balance between rushing body weight and holding it back too much. Cause like I, I've said it before, if you're not going to be competitive in your class, just um, don't cut or like just move up. And obviously you have been competitive, Ryan. Um, but I well, guess somewhat. <laughs> yeah. But like, you, well, like you beat the bench record, even if you didn't get it. Um, but I would imagine in, with a, your big first off season with Lockie, you probably build enough muscle to move up a weight class anyway. Yeah. We've like, the goal is just to just put on mass. Um, I kind of rushed it coming straight out of the meet. Um, but I'm currently waking up at about 77 and a half, give or take. Um, and then from here on out, it's just a kilo every month from here. And then by, so we're going, I'm going back to uni um, next week, but then by like the uni break between semesters, if there's a comp around then, um, that'd be a good time to, to look at to compete. So that's plenty of time. Yeah. What was like, um, cause like my comp was quite, my first comp was quite a while ago. Uh, I want to know like the nerves and that, and especially as someone, so, cause when I did my first meet, I was nowhere near potentially getting a record or whatever. You were, you're, you knew you were pretty close to the bench record. Um, mm -hmm. how, like even in your first comp, the nerves are already high enough. How did that affect it? And sort of what was your mental plan going into it? Um, I was all right. I wasn't too nervous or anything. Um, like didn't have any trouble sleeping the night before slept, got about seven, eight hours sleep. So that was fine. I did have to wake up at like five or something like that to get there at six, which was a bit of a punish, but, um, got there. If anything, like I wasn't nervous, but because it was like a whole new sort of like system and a set of rules and whole process before you even get to the bar like weighing in equipment checks and stuff. I was just a bit unsure what to do. Um, but nothing really nervous. Like I was, I was pretty excited to just get under the bar, even just warming up. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was for a first, first meet. It was pretty exciting, pretty, pretty fun. And obviously I'm going to be doing this a lot more. I, um, I sort of, I got there early and I got there on time, like when they said to come or for my first meet. And then I had to sit around for hours and just dwelling on the fact that I was going to compete sort of like got me super nervous. And after a couple of hours, I'd like gotten hungry. And it was, um, I think if it's your first meet, don't take the, and this doesn't go for every comp obviously, but don't take the time too seriously. Cause if you get there early, it's a long wait for the first, the first flight. Yeah. It took ages. Like yeah. just sitting there, like watching your friends weigh in, um, and then just watching them eat, waiting for you to weigh in. And then 
refuel and all that sort of thing is just a long time setting up and then finding out like trying to like you know claim your territory and stuff you had like more experienced coaches who were there with like 10 of their athletes or whatever just taking the only spare uh comp spec rack and everything and everyone else is warming up in these rogue racks with iron cast plates like that are probably not what they say that they weigh yeah um but it's it's it wasn't too much pressure on me like it was my first meet just wanted to do my best were you there lucky to handle it no i wasn't so that's one of the challenges i guess because especially on that side of things like with apu you know you got to be affiliated to i assume a coaching course i know back when i was in pa there was like a coaching course you had to do so if you like local meets sometimes i know it was fine in pa they'd let it slide but um as a GPC lifter, I don't know if that's always, you know, okay to put someone that. Oh yeah, because you can't handle him if you're not, um, in the fed, hey. Yeah, the British. Yeah. They were also really strict about who could enter the premises as well because of COVID restrictions. So they were like, you just had yeah. to be like registered as a coach or an official or an athlete, and that was it. Or volunteer as like a handler or something like that. Or not a handler, um, as a spot or something like that. Yeah, I know AP is pretty strict with that, like, because they're the IPF affiliate, whereas, like, my coach, he's in the APU, and he comes and handle me, uh, handles me at the APL meets, and it's, like, no stress, they don't even ask, it's just, like, whoever you want sort of come in, I think that's why I enjoy that side of it more, it's very, like, relaxed, and I think, like, the time I spent in APU is very stressful, and, and I just don't like the stiff bar, to be completely honest. That's something that I don't mind. I mean, I've used a deadlift bar before. That was fun. But uh, yeah, stiff bar, you kind of just get used to it. It's mm. not too bad. I think one of the things... I don't like even we've... find the deadlift bar helps that much. You don't think it does? <laughs> no. Sorry, it's lagging out a bit. No, no you're dude, right. For me, I've pulled, 300. I've pulled 300 on a stiff bar and like just showed up to comp and pulled one. No. You're lagging there, man. Yeah. You pulled what on the deadlift? Uh, what you you lagged out in the second part? Yeah, like uh, like I remember my last comp prep, my last comp where I pulled three ten, like I pulled three hundred in the gym on a stiff bar. Yeah, yeah, I know people like people. I don't know people sort of discredit um, deadlift bar pulls. I think like. Uh, for some people it's easier like for me it's easier because of my style of conventional but um, for some people it's harder yeah some people it's harder for them and I don't know why like positioning and that I guess the the whip throws some people off but it's like 300 on the deadlift bar 300 on the stiff bar still like people always going to say stiff bar is more impressive I I don't understand why but well the thing is is like a lot of these like APU lifters who will talk smack about the deadlift bar is They'll max it out after comp and they'll do bumper plates and all this stuff where it's completely yeah. different. And they say it's easier. And they'll, say, and they'll say, oh, deadlift bar is so easy, but like you didn't. Deadlift bar with calibrated plates is not actually that much easier until you're lifting a lot of weight. Yeah, because of the, the slack and that. Yeah, people who pull on the stiff bar love to talk about how they pull on the stiff bar and, and no hate to any like IPF competitors, <laughs> but they do love to talk about it and you'll never hear a deadlift bar puller talk about how they pull on the deadlift bar. They just like, you know, it's sort of It's just thing. the bar. The bar's the bar. Yeah. It's but 20 I feel kilos like every time. There's a lot of like lightweight IPF competitors who love talking shit about the deadlift bar. 
And at the same time, their bench press is max grip, max arch, yeah, two inches wrong. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I don't care either any way you lift. I don't care as long as like, uh, as long as you're lifting within the rules. I don't think any any of it should change. Okay, I've got a question, right? I'm yeah. a bit ignorant with like how you guys would train because you guys um, train with the the sorry, you guys compete with the deadlift bar. Do you ever use like a stiff bar to like like in the off season or anything like that, or leading up to like yeah. a like a strength block? Well, I know Lockie does, so yeah. I'll let him take this one. I just do it mainly because for me, my grip is my main issue. And so just a bit more like diameter of the bar just makes my grip work a little bit harder. Um, you know, I don't know how much, like, I guess how valid that actually is, but at least for me, I don't need to be pulling on the deadlift bar all the time, especially if I'm doing like sets of eight or whatever. I think it's a pretty yeah, valid When we point. train, you, you use the stiff leg. Um, deadlift with the just a regular um, power bar when we train you didn't really I don't think you didn't I, seem to your gym didn't have a deadlift bar yeah there wasn't one it's, yeah, it's, a, it's essentially think, an APU gym and well that's funny you say that because I actually had done it was like the last week in my block in the first three weeks I'd been using a deadlift bar and then I, <laughs> managed, I hit the week four on a stiff bar and it wasn't like any different I, I think it's a valid point like not only is the bar thicker and, every, and you know, as things get thicker, it's harder to hold, like uh, with the squat bar and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but also, you're probably pulling for longer just because there's less slack. The the pull itself probably takes longer. So more like more actual time holding the bar probably increases your grip in that way mm-hmm. as well. I, I don't use it in the mm-hmm. off season just because... And like, Lockie, you're a more established lifter than I am. So you sort of have to focus on the very technical things. Like for my training, it's quite basic not basic, but like yeah. what I have to do, what I have to improve on is not those very specific things. So like I'm more worried about overall positioning or, you know, that sort of thing. So grip and grip hasn't been a problem for me yet. Uh, I just pull mix and it, I've, you know, I barely even, yeah, I barely even grip the bar. Like um, my pull is very fast just because my body, body doesn't like being down in that position. And the longer I'm down there, the, the more fatigued I get. Like if I was to get in my deadlift start position, and hold it for 20 seconds, I'd feel horrible. So um, I'm a very- Yeah, you don't spend much time down there. I sort of, no, I just grab the bar and as soon as I've grabbed it, uh, pull slack and then drop the hips straight away just because, yeah, my body hates being down in that position. But yeah, I uh, I don't use the deli- the squat, the stiff bar in the off season just because I have bigger problems to worry about, like my back rounding and that sort of thing. So no, not in the off season. Well, well, for me, I, I use the stiff bar sometimes just because the lift bars at my gym, they're uh, they're not the best. Like some of the, like a lot of the knurling just kind of wears away on deadlift bars a bit quicker. I'm not, yeah. I'm not really sure why, um, but the stiff bars tend to be a bit more durable. So for me, it's like it'll rip a callus, and so if I'm just doing like off season stuff, I don't really want to tear a callus. Yeah, Lucky. What about your next meet? Um, I I haven't seen you compete in a while, and you sort of. Just looking at your Instagram, yeah. training has gotten your training has gotten looks like a little bit heavier right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the plan for yeah. this year? So I've got so the main plan is GBC Nationals, which will be in July, and so I've got to meet in seven weeks just to qualify for that. Um, so right now it's like relatively heavy. Um, I'm working up to like PBs. Like I did two ninety for triple on squats the other week, so that was a I think twenty kilo PB for triple some 15 kilo pb for triple um 
so yeah just it's really just trying to qualify because i haven't actually competed in the gpc before like i've done a bench only me once but coming off the back of apl i actually need to qualify to do nuts I've seen your bench only meet because um, when I look up the junior, uh, sorry, the teenage bench record in Australia, your name is second at the top and it's got like bench squat deadlift total and you, you've got your bench number and it's the same as your total. So obviously you did a bench only comp. Um, well, well, I was actually able to get the results from my last meet up on open powerlifting like last week. When was your last, so what, what age did you, so you're 20 now, right? Yeah, but my so my last comp I was nineteen, but the results were never put up. I saw I saw some guy posting on Ashton Ruska's, um, like some post saying he broke his record or whatever. And I was just like, oh, but I know that's my record, but just nobody knows about it because it was never on open powerlifting. And so yeah. I just like, I, I asked about it and I managed to get it put up, even though I'd asked about it a few times, but for some reason this time I was able to get it up. Yeah, I had to request. Cause I was looking through the bench, like, cause I'm coming relatively close to the, some of the bench records in the teens. I had to, like, I scrolled to try to find my name cause I knew I was like top 40 or something with my 145 and it wasn't there. So I had to actually request to get it put up, but they sort of responded quickly and they put the record up almost straight away. Um, I, is that yeah. yeah, this is open powerlifting. I think, um, just like the the rankings for Australia. Yeah. Like you uh, had to ask them. Yeah, yeah, I had to. I emailed them and I was like, "Hey, I, yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to be a dick, but like, I sort of wanted my. I sort of wanted my name up there because, um, it's cool yeah. to see. It's cool to like rank yourself. But yeah, the top, like your, there was some massive dude who benched like two hundred and something, and then you're number two in Australia with the bench. What was your? Mm. What was the weight? Because I can't even remember. I did. Oh, so that one was probably. Is it based off dots or what? No, no, is no. That... It's just top bench Australia teens there should, it should there should be 180 that company 180 or 87 um but my the other comp that i got put up last week like a year after the meet happened was 182 and a half yeah it was i think it was definitely around there because then it goes like there's you know, there's a lot of meets where like the results don't go don't get put up though like one of my friends benched 185 i don't know if you know matt crundle but he benched 185 as a teen as well and yeah. i don't think it's up there. I don't recognize the name and I've seen the list a few times. Yeah, it goes like 182, um, so you, and then it goes down to like 175, 173 and a half. Um, but I think it's got you as a 20-year-old. Um, so like when you filter to teens, you actually, you go out of the list and you're not there anymore. Mm. So I don't oh, know yeah. about that. Oh, but yeah, so your next oh, meet is... Sad. GPC, yeah, no, you just got kicked off open powerlifting. So your next <laughs> meet is um the GPC meet. How far away are you? Seven weeks. So it's funny. There's New South Wales states on, but I'm actually doing Victorian national qualifier on the exact same day, even though I'm from New South Wales, because my coach wants me to do it. Um, so yeah, it's in seven weeks from like today. Your coach by t- is it Tom? I used to be coached by him when I was in APL, but now I'm coached by Luke Shakespeare. Oh, okay, I'm not familiar. What was coaching with Tom like? Because I ran into Tom um, and obviously APL sponsored me. So like I spoken to Tom and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. What is that like? Yeah, it was like the thing was I wasn't necessarily coached by him like a lot of people are. Like it was a part of the APL program last year. Yeah. That I, I got like the free coaching from him. Yeah. So it wasn't like 
it was like overall I still learned a lot, but it, I don't think I got as like much feedback as maybe perhaps the other people got who were like paying for coaching. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was it was okay. Yeah, there's there's like a, obviously a different incentive like for the the guys he's been coaching for ages and are paying him compared to yeah the sponsored guys. What was your experience like on the team last year? Because like I'm on it now and and I'm excited to see what happens. Um, but sort of just because of COVID and that, not much has really happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Nats was cancelled. The camp thing that we were doing was cancelled. So. Everything, basically everything was cancelled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we still, yeah, it was still good to be a part of. But part of the reason why I wanted to step away from it, I guess, was just because, um, like with in New South Wales, APL is not as big as it is up in Queensland. Yeah. So like when the meet got cancelled last year, I couldn't do any other meets. Yeah. Because I had to do APL meets. That's a bummer. Um. But yeah, what are you trying to hit at this comp? Because you're seven weeks out now. Um, and then after that, I want to talk about Toby because you guys are getting pretty close yeah. in totals. And I've, ha- I've already spoken to Toby on here. Um, so what's the what's the goal for seven weeks? Um, honestly, it's meant to be just to qualify for nationals. So like my coach wants me to do 800, which like for me should be relatively comfortable since um, like I've been... Like I totaled 792 last year in sleeves and I was in the 90 kilo weight class, whereas now I'm in hundreds in wraps. So I assume like 830-ish would be good, even though my coach only wants me to do 800. The way my training's sort of progressing, it looks more like the program setting me up for around there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I would take a guess at his reasoning um, and then I want you to tell me after, but like is one thing people don't understand... Um, is the the fatigue is higher like at a higher weight so i don't think there's any studies right now to prove it but say thor with his 501 deadlift it's going to take him longer to recover as someone who's hitting just as big of a pr but it's only like 250 kilos right like just the fatigue of that much even if it's the same percentage for each lifter that heavier weight is going to take longer to recover from just because of like how the body is um is your coach trying to get you to just go easy because it's just a qualifier for later in the year? Yeah, so it is that, but there's also the element of like, for like, if you're gonna like, if I'm gonna build up to a performance where I'm gonna go as hard as I can, I actually need time, like down period to actually recover properly and stuff like that. Yeah. So if I was to go hard at this comp, it's just the next comp after I know isn't gonna go well. Like last year when I had the Gold Coast Cup, I had Pro Raw three or four weeks later. And even though Pro Raw didn't go ahead, the whole prep was terrible because I was just hitting like heavy singles every single session when I was already completely fried. Yeah. The turnaround, like when I spoke to Toby, he said like he got invited to Big Dogs like a week out because he squatted 320 or whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, come and compete. Yeah. But he, he only we had, had a we week. We got invited on the same day. Oh, right. So it was, oh, it was a few weeks it out then. About, it was about... Honestly, it was about nearly four weeks out, I would okay. say. So it was the day after my comp, and then the day, and then he Marcos just posted like about people who wanted to do pro roll because I had people pulling out or whatever. And then yeah, I'd say it was about four weeks. Yeah, and that's obviously too quick of a turnaround. Um, so you and Lockie, mm-hmm. so yeah, so you and Toby, sorry, 
for anyone who doesn't know, Lockie is a year older or slightly older. Um, and I think Toby's got like 320 squat, 170 bench, 300 deadlift, which would be pretty similar to what yours is, right? Um, so I think I totaled two and a half more than Toby, but I was in the sleeves and in the nineties, um, as a team, but now I'm, yeah, competing in wraps hundred, which is his division. But as I said, I haven't competed in a year, so I'd expect to total a bit more than that now. Yeah. It was the long off season something that you chose to do, or is that just because of COVID? Yeah. Like a bit of both. Like. I did need quite a bit of time after that pro rock prep to actually rebuild. But then I was like, I did want to compete towards the end of the last year, but I hadn't necessarily made much progress. So I didn't, yeah, I just didn't end up like it wouldn't, have, it would nothing. I wouldn't have really improved. Yeah. Is your approach like, cause one thing I always talk about is um, sort of the whole idea of undershooting rather than overshooting. Uh, and one thing I'm going to cover in an episode with my coach is being con- like training super conservative and its benefits. Uh, is your off-season approach sort of just like volume, refine some form, or do you go more in the off-season like um, singles and that sort of thing? I actually steer completely away from all that kind of stuff when I focus really on more just nearly bodybuilding type training. Yeah. Um, when I'm in, like especially coming off the back of a prep, I don't, really need to even do squat bench deadlift necessarily i could do hack squats dumbbell bench and rdls for example yeah what you're making me do now yeah <laughs> i'd imagine the and joint it, the joint uh pain or even just tension is enough to uh send you away from sbd straight after a comp at, at, yeah. at like at your squatting as much as you do like there's got to be some crazy elbow yeah Dude, after that prep, I was like, everything was like, I tore my groin on my last heavy squat session. It was actually a session where I'm like, pro rock got cancer, so I'm just going to max my squat. I torn my groin, like my elbows <laughs> were completely just screwed from like low bar squatting heavy for two preps back to back. Yeah. Just like my knees were so I just like, yeah, I didn't need to do any of that, you know. Yeah. Any of that specific stuff for quite a while. I think um, people want to like hop back on straight away. You know, it's that attitude of like, oh, I just competed, um, you know, and, and everyone's like, don't sleep on me, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be amazing, all that shit. And they, they jump straight back into SPD. Um, and then they're sort of straight back into like competition style training. Whereas like people need to understand they would benefit so much more from a good off season and just like give your joints a break for a couple of weeks uh, have a bit of like a mental break, at least in my opinion, and then sort of, and then you can hop back on and and go from there. Um, I think it's it's sort of overlooked in in that aspect. Yeah, I think it just depends on the person, like especially like on the IPF side of things. Like you probably get a lot more, like you get away with being able to peak perhaps three times a year or something like that, but. Um, like for me, I can max. I would be able to peak just twice a year. I would say, yeah. um, but even then, once like there's nothing wrong with for me with competing once a year. And and when you say peak, do you mean like I know what you mean by peak? But um, would you consider hitting a six rep max max like peaking? Uh no, I mean like literally being able to PB my lifts at yeah. competition. Yeah, like I know the realistic time frame. 
like once I've recovered from a meat prep is probably like another 20 to 25 weeks of actual training to be able to actually have enough time to genuinely improve. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, I mean, like in the off season, I sort of, we have done like mm-hmm. six rep max and three rep max and it's not really a peak, but like you sort of are hitting a top PB and I guess yeah. it's, a, it's some sort of peak uh, that sort of like keeps the off season fun for me at least. What is yeah. like, and Ryan, you said you're off uh, the barbell for a little bit or at least the competition lifts. What is it training looking like after just coming out of a comp? Um, yeah, so I only really just got back into, the well, the only comp lift I've just gotten back into is going back from a close grip to just a comp bench. But everything else is... Um, that sort of hypertrophy base of we've been doing high bar squats, which has, hasn't been too difficult or anything like that. And then more recently front squats. Mm. Um, and then uh, for deadlifts, I've been doing conventional and now uh, conventional and stiff leg and also snatch grip as well. Uh, snatch grip RDLs. Yeah. Um, so you've obviously like coming back onto bench quicker because it's like the, the least fatiguing lift. Um, mm-hmm. what are your other lists? Are you just doing, I know you're doing RDLs and that. Um, yeah. So with the, the, the art, well, we just finished the snatch grip RDLs. Um, we just finished the first off season block. Um, and that, I think I finished up on a one sixty four five or something conventional, which is PR, but really it wasn't too taxing. Um, but it was still nice to know that I had that in, in the back pocket. Mm. Um, and then the high bar, I I, had, I think I finished on a 140 for 10 uh, for an AMRAP, which is also pretty pretty great to have hit. That was the goal going into the session, just to get to 10. Yeah. Yeah, I like the, I, I like the idea of sort of um, hitting volume PRs in the off-season. It sort of like keeps it fun keeps you motivated and it sort of gives you that indicator that your singles and that have probably gone up. I know volume doesn't directly contribute to like your, uh, like a volume PR doesn't necessarily mean that your one rep max has gone up, but I think it's a good way to like, um, in a way track progress and like keep it interesting. Cause I know some people have these off seasons and I look at their training and I'm like, this sort of looks boring. Like how do you stay motivated? And yeah. So like after a while in the off season, I sent, I tend to need that like, gratification of hitting a uh, some sort of volume PR to sort of like get me through because I sort of get that itch to compete in the off season. That makes sense, yeah. Like hitting any, even if it's like a variation of like, like the comp lifts, like, uh, like I've been doing like high bar and stuff like I was saying, like being able to hit that, that AMRAP with 140 is like, you know, it's kind of great for the psyche because one, you're progressing in some sort of way and you know that there's a pretty obvious benefit to it, but also it's not too taxing on, on the body as well. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's a good way to progress. Um, one thing you did mention before the episode, Ryan, was that you have a little story or a little complaint about going to IPF Worlds. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so when you think about it, I'm pretty sure in the USAPL or something, they just do state and then that's obviously they have a much higher standard to qualify for Nats as well, um, being the USAPL. In the APU, you've got to do a local meet 
you've got to do a state meet, you've got to do um, the the nationals as well, and then you may not even get chosen to go to Worlds if if you've come first in your division. Um, so essentially, if you don't want to count the local meet, then you've got three three other times in the year to to peak um, for state nationals and and worlds which i find like three's all right but like if you were in a competitive sort of pool mm. um you'd have to go four the risk of injury is gonna be already, very taxing yeah and the risk of injury is already high enough when you start getting towards your third and fourth peak i'd have to imagine that like it like increases exponentially it sort of seems like a silly way to do it i i don't know how they would go about fixing it like I feel like the qualifying standards for state alone, like they're they're pretty. They're not really anything to to reflect any quality lift lifter or anything like that. Like people at my meet who I know are stronger than me, just they played it smart, right? They were they were just doing high bar at seventy percent, and they still would qualify. Um, but if you're someone that's competitive and you want to kind of reflect like your true potential and whatnot, then you, you pretty much have to peak for that as well. Cause like I, like, especially cause it was my first mate. I just was, I could have said to Lucky like, Hey, I want to just, you know, get the qualifying like standard and whatever, but like being a first mate, you want like a true reflection to look back on. Like this is your starting point and this is where we're going to go uh, from there. Is that something you plan on doing like this year or because I'm, I'm not familiar with the standards for the 74 or even the 83? The standard wasn't very high. I don't even think it was like a 500 total. It was like 400 and something like a low or mid 400 total or a 74. So you could pretty much do like three plate squat, bench, whatever you want to bench and then deadlift could carry you and you're not even going to be taxed from that. So you could go into the next next day as your next week and just another block, really. Yeah. What's the what's the IPF total for seventy fours for worlds? For worlds seventy fours. Yeah. Like the qualifying total or like yeah the yeah the total? qualifying no qualifying, qualifying total like for you because I'm thinking about um, you getting there. I think it's like five. I'm not too sure, but it could be like five seventy or something. Hmm. So not, not which really- I wasn't going to get this year. But like next year, it's a very likely scenario. You're close enough to that now, aren't you? Aren't you like low 500s right now? Yeah. Yeah. That's like pretty it's reasonable. Like, and it's something I can work ju- on. Yeah, and especially since you just picked up Lockie as a coach, like um, you weren't you weren't coached before, right? Uh, I was coached by my mate Ricky, who I'm pretty sure he was like he's a weightlifter now. But when he was powerlifting, I think he was looked after by Mir Fazeli. Mm. I'm pretty sure. And like he, like he was, um, like if you're starting off or anything, like having a more experienced mate to coach you, like he didn't charge me. That that's one of the things that was like a bit easier for me because like I wasn't too sure if I wanted to commit to powerlifting. So like having him help me up, program my stuff, review my lifts, um, was pretty handy. So I peaked with, like before Lockie mentioned that I hit a few PRs. So essentially that was like a little peak with with Ricky, um. And that was from the beginning of last year until um, um, the the prep that we started for my most recent, well, my last meet. What's the difference like? Because I don't know, because I just sort of started powerlifting and I already had an established coach. 
what is it like going from someone who sort of just does it for experience to like Lockie who's been doing it for a few years what like and I'm not talking about quality but like the difference in the programming and that sort of thing there's a lot more specificity with with Lockie because like he's doing like he's coaching powerlifting specifically mm. um Ricky he even though he has had experience and he's he's qualified like with like his certs and whatnot um it was it wasn't it wasn't like it was a terrible coach or anything it's just that whenever i chatted to Lockie, um Lockie was able to like you know get down to the nitty-gritty like really fine detail and then i t- even told ricky about it at the time and ricky was like yeah i'd even encourage you to go to Lockie." yeah yeah well that's cool like more he, specificity. he obviously ricky sounds like he wanted what's best for you like and and Lockie's like an established coach Lockie, how did you get into coaching? Because I've said it before, it's something that I want to do. Yeah. Um, so for me, I started similar way that most people do, and that's just like coaching your friends, um, similar way that I guess Ricky was to Ryan. Um, and then from there, like I'd already been, like I've been competing for a long time now, actually, which is funny to say at 20, but I did my first meet in 2016. Um, and so through that, um, you know, started coaching friends, and then from there, obviously, got qualified, did my cert three and four, and then started obviously advertising for coaching on social media and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, most most of my coaching has really come from word of mouth, though, to be honest. I uh, I'm doing my cert three and four now, and like, if you walk into a commercial gym in Australia, it's pretty common to see some sort of bullshit that shouldn't be happening with the local PTs, like. Yeah. Um, I, I'm halfway through. I've finished the cert three, except for the placement. Do you think um, it's like worth it? Obviously, you have to get it to like coach legally um, in Australia, but like the knowledge of it. Powerlifting is a bit of like a it's a it's it's a different situation because like you don't actually need you don't you need insurance if you're coaching people face to face. But if you're coaching people online, like it's definitely it's a tricky situation insurance-wise. And so, whether you need a cert three and four to do online coaching, you don't really need one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know through like, like say APU or PA, right? They have their coaching course. Through that, you can actually get insured. Yeah. So you don't necessarily need a cert three and four. I know you can also get like ASCA um, strength yeah. and conditioning um certification with and that comes with the insurance afterwards um as well and that doesn't take too long either that's something that i i want to do like uh because i know just the cert three and four isn't enough on its own and there's obviously other ways anyone could get that like you see yeah yeah, like you were saying when you walk into it like any commercial gym there are like some it's probably like some sleazy pt or something just like yelling up basic cues on the squad or some shit it's and and it's just frustrating to see yeah, I trained at a commercial gym for a while and like, um, I won't like name or whatever, but like there was a guy there uh, who told me not to wear a belt because you can't, because you can't wear a belt in a competition. Is that what he just, what he said to me? Like, that's the actual quote. And it's like, you know, like that's the standard um, locally. That's the standard. And it's pretty sad in Australia. Like, I don't know about down in Sydney, but in, in on the Gold Coast, it's bad enough. I just think like the same thing, the same thing here that it is everywhere in the country. There's always going to be like some bad something somewhere, like a bad coach here or a bad like teacher there or bad like 
I don't know, boss here and that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I think the standard is too low. Like the Cert 3, I don't know how you found it, Lockie, but, um, or if it's changed since you did it, but this, the Cert 3 theory was crazy easy. Like I, you wouldn't even have to read the, the stuff before you did the assessment. You could just sort of pass it based on like common sense. Yeah. And it's, I don't think that's Yeah, well, high. like when I did it, I actually, my Cert 3 and 4 both together took probably three to four months. Yeah. And um, all the exams were open book. And if you got something wrong, you could just go back and correct it. Like, I think, you know, there's a lot of problems with it. I think like Cert 3 and 4 can just be a money-making thing in some cases. Um, like the place that I did it was better, I would say, than most places. Not that I've done it anywhere, but I'd assume... Like it wasn't that bad, um, but Who a lot did you of people went to the top. I did with AIF. Okay, yeah, go on, continue. Yeah, but like a lot of my like friends that I had had on the like made on the course, like I wouldn't want them coaching me. So yeah, um, it all depends. Like I think when you're doing powerlifting, though, it's a lot like there's an actual periodization to it. Whereas a lot of the people who are doing personal training, like the clients, just show up once a week just to get a workout in and get some time off work or something like in their lunch break. So it's like, you know, I don't know. It's a lot of that. I think this cert three and four is like about safety and health and that kind of stuff. Whereas powerlifting, obviously you need that stuff, but I, my opinion is like, it's a lot more. Yeah. And pal- like you said, yeah. Powerlifting like program is a whole other thing from personal training, but like the standard is so low because the, requirement to be one is so low i think if they made it harder to become a personal trainer then um they could actually raise the standard of the average personal trainer trainer which would uh take the price up um and i know they're already expensive enough right now and most of them overcharge but like um it's just too easy you know like you said it only takes a few months i did my cert three in two weeks and now I'm just waiting on to do the placement so I can start the cert four theory. It just, it's too quick. And like one of the guys I had on here, I can't remember who told me, I think it was Pete. He said in America, you can get your personal training certificate over the weekend. Yeah. Which well, is the, like PA coaching course is a weekend as well for powerlifting. And then you can what become an insured powerlifting coach. Yeah. There's, there's, it's different to the Cert 3 and 4, though. There's only certain things that you can do. Um, like, I think it's something like you can only, like, I don't want to say because I don't know the exact details, but you can't just PT people. Like, you can only do barbell-related things or write certain types of programs. Yeah. So, you only, I don't know the exact details, but you're not insured to do everything in the gym. Yeah. What sort of external sources are you using to learn? Obviously, you're still learning now. Um, what do you refer to in that aspect? Yeah, so so really for me, like it's just been ongoing research, mostly just online stuff. You know, I've been studying at uni for a while now, but um, even there, I think just even just get, being in the gym environment, talking to people, is one of the best things to do because all these kinds of formal education, it's like there's so much going on in terms of you know, like the Cert three and four, they they want to get you in and get you out in three months so they can get you know four classes in throughout the year and make more money. Um, so me, for me, it's really just a combination of things. Yeah. I think that's like one of the things. It's like the Cert 3 and 4, once you do it, it allows you to just stop learning straight away and you can just go and practice mm-hmm. and there's no like continuous thing. There should be like a, 
a system where you have to complete like stuff every three months or whatever just to keep your knowledge going and that sort of people just tend to use it as a way of slacking off like oh yeah i got my certificate now i can earn money and i'm not gonna like and you just have to assume that they haven't continued to learn at least the ones that i've seen who are below average there are there are some things like in order to be insured you have to do a certain amount of like credit points um to stay like insured um so some of them like i know for example that asca or whatever the heck i can't remember exactly what it is but that's like one of them that you can do to like maintain your insurance yeah there's a lot of different types of things um but again it just depends on who you get your insurance with whether or not you have to do that yeah ryan is it something that you want to do yeah down the road it's, it's something that I'd, I'd probably enjoy doing because like like at the moment i've been helping out friends free of charge and stuff right and not doing anything risky um not charging them being really conservative like they just made that you want to help out right yeah and then at the most success that i've had so far like i've helped out four of my mates the most successful was actually my friend emily who also competed the same day of, of um um my my comp and she she placed second in the women's 60 i can't remember if it's 62 or 63 um division which was great and then um her like what i helped her out with for that pretty much was yeah it lasted the same amount of time as lucky so everything i was learning off lucky I was tweaking it around to like her sorts of needs and like everything that I've done my research on. So from like people, people online, like, like you know, the, the, just the basics that are available, like Jeff Nifford stuff. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's like, there was like so many sources that went through um, that were just, it, just the basics, nothing too crazy. And like, she did pretty well in the day. Unlucky for something like her squat. She got red lighted by Senna, white lighted by, one of the sides and then like the red lighted by the other side which must have been i don't know it must was, have been pretty close on the day it would have been it would have been because like on the day like there was pretty there was like some inconsistent like refing mm. which like I don't, i'm not too sure like i didn't notice at the time until like after i was told by like my mates who were watching like there was some pretty you know dodgy cause here and there um but yeah she had a lot of success with that and then i've been helping out two of my my mates now they're a bit younger than me so just giving them a helping hand and they i think i back myself to like help them improve but i'm not gonna like push it with them or anything like that so just to get a bit of experience really yeah it's good like that's sort of the same thing i'm doing uh but like it's good because you can learn with like the general public and people who don't want to powerlift yet like um did you run her through a peak because i haven't done that with any of my guys yet i haven't peaked anyone because none of them compete. Um, is that what? Yeah, you... we. I did. I, yeah, I did that with her, but it wasn't too aggressive or anything like that. Yeah. So we had certain goals um, to to hit on the day. So really, um, we had like, they're all conservative, mm. all really conservative. Like for example, um, the one off the top of my head was at least a sixty-five kilo bench for her, which would have it's terrific on its own. And then I think the third attempt which she went for was sixty-seven and a half. And that was, she was just unlucky to miss out on that. Really, it was probably like some like a very minor technical error, like some like something basic was like tightness. I remember she she was telling me how like she lost a bit of tightness or something, or just stuck somewhere on the way up, but like it wasn't a very aggressive peak at all. Yeah, took it very easy and like 
like for her, with it's mostly just like a volume cut. Nothing, nothing crazy yeah. beyond that. Just sort of like linear, linearly decreasing volume as you got closer to the comp. Yeah, like four, four, five weeks out, I think. Yeah, four weeks, four weeks. Um, that's yeah, that's something that I want to do is like, and obviously I'm not going to force anyone to compete who doesn't want to compete, but like I'd like to mm. learn because obviously that's a massive, like probably the most important part of being a powerlifting coach. Lockie, when you back when you ran your first guy or whoever into a competition, what sort of mistakes did you make and what have you learned from that? Because that's something that I'd like to learn too. Honestly, I think the most challenging thing, probably two, two challenging things I would say is one, being able to actually negotiate with the client and what their like um, expectations are. That's definitely a big one. And then second one, I would say something that seems easy, but is actually just maintaining like the warm-ups and like the timing into the attempts of the comp oh so like um, physically handling them yeah like like in general for me like i can see it like attempt selection like all that kind of stuff's really easy but when you're at a comp like particularly novice comps is where i really coach people um just because it's easier to get someone who's not a power lifter into a novice comp and they don't want to pay for fees for all sorts of equipment and registrations and stuff um like novice comps the ones that i've done they've ran well but it's like it's hard when there's people all over the place and you know that they've got that there's one flight to go or something like that for warm up. You know, it can just be tricky um, timing everything. Yeah, um, I haven't. Yeah, like I said, I haven't got any guys that want to do that. Um, how long did you say you've been coaching for? Since 2018, but most of the people that I've coached have actually either done like uh, other sports or even just gym bros, basically yeah uh is it something you want to do as a career or is it just something that you're sort of doing for fun and on the side um so for me i would say yes for a career but it's something i'm doing in conjunction with other things as well Mm. you're studying right now what are you studying at uni uh so i'm doing i'm doing exercise science with psych as well but i anticipate that i'll probably just graduate with without the psychology component if i can get credit for the right things you're a psych major as well hey uh ryan yeah so i'm in my fourth year at the moment so this is supposed to be my honors year but um especially with last year with covid everything became online so i didn't want to you know be sat at my my desk all the time yeah doing four units which they asked for like 40 hours of a week if you're doing four units so yeah. 10 hours a unit didn't want to do that so i'm just just pretty much filling up this year with just the credit to get to honors. I'm pretty sure I've secured that. But um, in in future, I'd like to do some sort of coaching in conjunction with my degree. I'm pretty sure I'd have to do um, clinical masters or if the, I remember there's like some, some sort of sport psychology um, pathway. I think like a UTS there might be. Yeah. Because my uni, I'm pretty sure I heard that there wasn't really anyone that specialized in sports like um, – but yeah, in, in, I'd like to dabble in that or if it's not sport performance, but either way, it kind of taps into maximizing output regardless of what field or what industry um, someone might be in. It's funny that you're both doing psychology because one of the topics I was going to bring up was, um, so today I'm uh, 15 days out as of today and 
I don't know, depending on what type of peak you do, you feel shit at different times of the peak. Um, I Today was a horrible session for me and uh, everything was underwhelming. I even wrote to my coach like, is this cool? I'll do this at RP6 today. He's like, yeah, that looks about right. And then everything was way less than I had guessed earlier on. So um, the weights were way lower. Uh, how do you sort of deal with that sort of thing, uh, Lockie? Because you've done plenty of comps at this point. The It's it's sort of a hit, massive hit to my confidence. Um, and I know why, like because of the fatigue of the earlier in the week because I hit uh, a PR and a high percentage single. How do you deal with that? Because I'm sort of nervous going into next week now after how bad it was today. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny you say that because even today I had a terrible training session as well. I was meant to hit 275 for a triple and I lost grip on my last rep. Mentally, it's just like it's annoying, especially when you're prepping for me. But you just you just need to, you know, look at the objective things and compare it to the things that matter. So if you, you know, I saw you deadlifted 250 not too long ago. Yeah, Monday. Monday. If you, and it's like if, if your deadlifts are going well, your squats are probably going to go well too. Yeah. And if your bench is going well, then, you know, you just all, if it's just one off session, you don't need to worry about it. Really. It's like, you just need to think where was I compared to last prep at this point in time and things like that. Just look at things objectively rather than getting worried about it. Yeah, I guess so. I like, I'm it set to hit like a 50. Hard. Yeah. And I guess like, uh, depending on the prep, cause like I do the style of peaking where it's like, you do your big deadlift about three weeks out and then you do your big squat about 14, 10 days out and then your blast bench is about six days out. Um, and that sort of makes me feel pretty shitty around the two-week mark. And then it sort of gets relatively easier as you get closer just because obviously deadlift is the most fatiguing. Um, well, sort of when you peak... So what bench is the most fatiguing for you? Oh, squats, yeah. No, for me, squats. Squats are more fatiguing than deadlifts. Yeah. And how do you like, how do you deal with the confidence? Cause I know, like you said, you just got to remember, but also like physically now I'm worried. Um, bench didn't go great today. Bench didn't go earlier on in the week. And it's sort of like, I'm sort of scared because now I'm feeling like maybe I'm lacking. Well, like for some context to me, like what is it about like the weights weren't moving as fast as you wanted them to? Well, we had guessed RP six. Like so, today was an RP six session. So I had one triple, three triples, and one triple for SPD. And squats were like twenty kilos lighter than I that I had guessed before the session. Uh, I overshot my bench triple uh, and deads. I just had to call it because at that time it was like, but towards the end of the session, I just had I just had it like. Um, and obviously I'd rather undershoot than overshoot. So I just called it a super light deadlift triple and I'm sort of, you know, it sort of beaten me up a little bit now because after such a great start to the week with that deadlift PR and the high percentage squat, now I'm like, you know, that sort of my ego, my, my, my confidence went up and now it's, I've just should have been shot back down again. Yeah. Well, I think, I think with that, you just have to understand that it's like nothing has really gone wrong. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if I if I had a session where it, the RP was slightly higher than what I expected, like, that's just what it is. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the byproduct of the fatigue that you you're at right now. Like, and without overthinking me, I, things, without overthinking, sorry about that, but without overthinking things, without like any external factors, 
that may have affected it, like whether it was sleep or diet or something like that. Yeah. Did, did any of those affect you? Um, yeah, actually, no. Now that you mentioned that, I've been working early mornings all week, so I sort of am being drained, and I think that it's been hindering my recovery because uh, when I, I work at the back of Coles, and so like I'm lifting stuff all the time, uh, and it's fatigue, uh, particularly fatiguing on my central nervous system. So it's sort of like, and it's ve- that's very frustrating because I don't like working and I love powerlifting. So it's like, why is this thing slowing me down, you know? Um, but yeah, I think I've got more days off closer to my comp. So hoping to eliminate that. But yeah. So really it's just like a time of day sort of thing that you're comfortable training with. Yeah, that, that too. Like I did train earlier on purpose because to try to stimulate mm. the time of a meet as well. Okay. Yeah. I think I think as well you got to keep in mind that you're trying to if you've peaked correctly you want to actually peak on comp day. So if you're feeling a bit slow at one week out, it's not it's not the end of the world. It could be even good. It could be a good thing. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like two weeks, and I don't feel peaked in any way. So I guess that's a good sign. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just rough to have those days and like um, the whole. So like Sean Noriega's like no bad days shirt. It's like. I like that ideology of sort of learning from that because now we know um, it's just data. Like, that's what he says. That's more of a catchphrase than a real, yeah. realistically have some bad days. Yeah, because he, well, yeah, of course. Like, I would say today was a bad day, but then he would say, like, well, it's just information and data for the next peak. And, and you can look at it like that. I do. Yeah. It, it does keep my head up a bit. Um, and yeah, and I'll just like get my coach to note it down and we can, we can sort of fix it up next peak. Yeah. Well, well even with me today, right? Like that 275 triple one, like I know I, I lost grip at the top of the last rep, right? But I know if I held on to a little bit longer, like realistically, what difference is that going to make? Like my comp prep that I did last year, I deadlifted 310. Literally yeah. eight weeks out, I, I missed grip on 260. Right, so that's literally fifty kilos less. Yeah. So I know with that, it's like missing a triple at two seventy five at seven weeks out. Oh, yeah, it's a whole year later, but I know I can still pull more than three ten compared to where I was at this point of last prep. Yeah, that's all that matters, really. What you're doing competition. We spoke in the last two episodes about like, and one thing that really annoys me is that people overshooting were heaps in prep. Um. It's like, is it, was it worth it? Like when you do, when you go to your comp and you were probably more fatigued than you should have been, you look back, was it really yeah. worth it for that Instagram post, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a, that, that's always a funny thing because it's like, I always see all these big lifts on Instagram, but it's like, I look at these people like open powerlifting power and it's like, I thought, oh shit, that guy probably could have totaled like 800, but his PB total is like 670 or something. Yeah, just so over like, overcooking I, it I in... Just, I, I tend to discredit a lot of the things that I say on Instagram now just because there's just so many people that can't perform on meet day. So, you know. Yeah. Instagram lifters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's like, in terms of like, tr- not like minimizing like the amount of bad days you have, like one thing that I've just been like very, I guess like, I'm a bit anal about it, but like maximizing everything outside of the gym like to benefit me when I'm in the gym. So like now I don't, I try not to train on the days I work because like for me, like kind of similar to what you might be doing deck is, is like climbing up ladders, picking up boxes, that sort of thing. Right. Um, so I try not to train the days I work and then like leading up to a session, I try and eat it as like 
efficiently as possible, not consume anything heavy like an hour out or anything like that. And I've found like, there's a lot of success um, that I've had doing that. Yeah. And there's really not been any like bad days. Like the last bad day I remember was a deadlift session where I was supposed to hit. There's actually a deload. I was supposed to hit like maybe like one. 180 or 170 this was before um i was with lucky's I, I was with ricky at the time and i was supposed to hit like 170 for just a single and i couldn't even get to that because i ate too close to to training yeah and it was just like playing with my stomach and stuff it wasn't fun it was the yeah. worst session of my life like i got back home and i was like gutted that i couldn't even pick that shit up but like ever since then i haven't really had like a bad session just because i've made sure everything outside of the gym has been as perfect as possible to kind of benefit me when I'm training. So there hasn't been, I don't think I've, have I failed any lifts? Do you remember lucky? I don't think I've done anything too horrible. Squat. Uh, I remember in prep, there was one squat session. The Which one? Squat session, where? I oh, I remember that one. I failed 185. It was 185. I failed. How do you do with that? Iffy, like, how did you deal with that lock as a coach and Ryan as in your confidence? Cause I know that was saying that you wanted to squat in comp. Where do you go from there? Honestly, the thing is you can't really change all that much about it. Like realistically, if I was there on the day, I wouldn't have let Ryan reattempt it, but he did anyway. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I know I went wrong. I kind of backed myself for it. So, like, I kind of backed myself for it. It's only one lift. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not gonna it's not gonna ruin the peak because he tried it again and got it like the part of the lift that he failed it at like he'd already done a heap of work to where if he locked it out it wouldn't have even been that much harder really difference it's um, more of like a mental yeah. mental thing for him yeah i knew i went wrong with that and then i just went for it again fixed it like I, the only issue with the second attempt was like i wasn't as confident hitting depth because i lost tightness in, in the hole just like just even like it wasn't like i collapsed and like nearly died or anything it was just like oh i've lost and i had my two mates side spotting me and they, they picked it up for me but like after like if you i kind of the weight was comfortable it's just a technical error so i kind of backed myself just to reattempt it and i ended up getting it just the depth was a bit iffy might have been a bit high like by ips standards like might have been a little bit high but like it moved yeah. So I, was, I wasn't happy with it, but I was kind of content with like, you know, I can move that way. Like not even thinking about the RP on that day. Yeah. And you came back to squat 182 in comp, was it? 182 and a half, yeah. That was my second attempt. I think Lockie for my third attempt would have preferred if I just did like 185 or 187.5. But then 190 was like the goal I had and we spoke yeah. about it. And so I kind of just went for it. Didn't turn out too well. But and do you think yeah. that like, do you think that you were nervous uh, when you were back waiting to go attempt the 190? Did that failed 185 or whatever it was, it come like, did that come across your mind at all? No, not really. I was kind of just like, I don't know. I was pretty in the zone, not going to lie. I was pretty in the zone, just like ready for my next lift. Just having a, like a sip of like, like Gatorade or whatever it was I had. And then like, by the time I got to 190, I, Walking it out was all right. Like it was how I kind of expected it, but just I kind of failed it the same way I failed the 185, but like not with 185 in mind on the day, just tightness in the hole. Yeah. Yeah, that can be a big problem for some people. 
Zoom is actually trying to kick me off here again, boys, for the 40 minutes because it's being a bitch. Um, I guess we'll wrap it up. It's been about an hour and a half anyway. Uh, thanks for coming on. And so, Lockie, when is your meet? Because I want to have both of you back on again sometime. When is your meet? Um, so my meet's seven weeks. Seven so weeks. 17 April, I think. Yeah. So maybe we'll have you guys back on after that and talk about how you went uh i think it's i think so far i've only spoken with uh one other australian which was toby and i like talking about powerlifting in australia uh and i'd like to uh give more perspective about because i like a lot of the viewers are american and so it is cool for them to hear about how we do it in australia and vice versa but yeah thanks thanks to both of you for coming on all good and good luck at your meet Lockie. and then i'll talk to you you again ryan anyway before your meet yeah, we're great mates. It's Yo, cool. Best friends. We're chatting every day, mate. We're chatting every oh, day, pretty much. Getting sending closer a, and sending closer. controversial topics and stuff. Yeah, he's reviewing my stuff. I like to double check everything with the boys before I post it. <laughs> All right, cheers. Yes, very big fan of that that bench. Just quickly, just very big fan of that that bench. Uh, yeah. Un, or was it the unpopular opinion? Yeah, it got like yeah, it got more of the story. Yeah, it got heaps of Go likes on. of any post of like on that account. It got like one in three people had liked it, which is a pretty good ratio for a small account. Uh, it got yeah. like it got like fifteen saves as well, so people were saving it. But yeah, I love it's one of the my favorite part about the the this whole thing that I'm doing is those opinions and making them because it's like people. I don't know if this fun a little. It's like controversial, so it's and it's not like it's, it's false information either. Yeah, it's like well, some, some people would agree, like some people would disagree with me, but like I like to think that I'm saying stuff that people are thinking, and I feel like some people do yeah. think. I know, I know my coach, um, he was like, yeah, I absolutely agree. I actually spoke to Sean Noriega about it because I was I like double checked that I could use that picture of him, and he's like, yeah, hundred percent, I agree, and all this. And if if anyone, he would be the person to disagree because it's such a huge like technique thing for him but yeah he's like 100% I agree people are overlooking it so yeah um, I'll put another one out I look forward to them all yeah yeah uh, if you have any idea if anyone has any controversial opinions and ideas I'll be happy to post them for you so DM me and I'll and I'll get back to yeah. you Cheers, of the story your bench is shit because you're small yeah that's exactly what it is that's the <laughs> cap- caption for this episode yep <laughs> I'll catch you later boys thank you <laughs>